Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. Everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont, and I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And I'm drinking coffee and beer all in one. You can drink coffee this late at night and be okay. No, it's a oh. horrible idea, but I'm doing it anyway because it's really <laughs> delicious. What? It's Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Oh, yeah, that stuff's good. So good. That's good. And I went to get a drink for what are we drinking? And I saw it standing there on the top shelf of my refrigerator saying, Tom, wouldn't you like to hang out with me in your belly? For the next three hours, three to four <laughs> hours. I said, yes, yes, I would. Oh, man. Um, well, that's, you know. That's that's a choice that you made, and mm-hmm. now you're going to have to live with. Um, yeah, it doesn't have that much coffee in it, and with the alcohol, it'll probably keep me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking an extremely old Um, I don't know the brand; I don't remember. But you it's mean like, like really valuable, like it's been in your cellar for a long time, like that kind of old. It's not valuable. It's just been in there a long time. <laughs> let's pretend it's valuable why not yeah sure yeah sure. it's aged it's aged definitely carefully. aged oh that's the thing about wine that i learned is that there's like a good window for opening certain wines like mm-hmm. you know like not all wine is better right yeah. not all wine is better just because it's older some old wine is vinegar yeah yeah or like yeah so this does i don't think this was improved by its age we'll just say that <laughs> i see <laughs> Was it open in your fridge? Was it that kind of old? It's not that bad. Good, good. It was in a climate-controlled wine fridge. I see. And it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. It's been been there for at least, it's been in the house for at least 10 years. Yeah, my my, uh, Guinness Nitro cold brew coffee has been in a climate-controlled fridge for two or three weeks. Ancient. Yeah, very, very aged. It's the last of the four pack, actually. <laughs> so I just, uh, I just, I just had to, you yeah, know, gotta go it was for lonely. It. it was lonely in there. All its brethren had already been drunk. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for all joining us. Let's jump into, let's slide right into really mm. some soothing quick burns. The shortlist for the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Best Science Fiction Novel Published in the UK has been announced. Here is that short list. Uh, Thank you, Jan, for posting this. Deep Wheel Orcadia by Harry Josephine Giles. Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. A Desolation Called Peace by Arcady Martin. A River Called Time by Cortisha Newland. Vergen, The Alien Love War by Mercurio de Rivera. I think it's Wergen, actually. Uh, and Skyward Inn by Alaya Whiteley. The winner will be announced October 26th. Very cool. I have read A Desolation Called Peace. It's the only one on this list that I've gotten uh, gotten to. But yeah, very cool. Always love to see those best science fiction novels published in the UK. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, and uh, l- best of luck to all of them. Clara and the Sun was uh, shortlisted for a, a sword and laser pick at one point by folks, too. So, Oh, really? Ray wants to make sure that you you know. That we know that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That's always appreciated. Um, very cool. Um, Seth points out that Goodreads right now is celebrating fantasy and sci-fi. I actually noticed this uh, today when I was putting together the show notes and I was going to bring it up on the show. Um, so thank you, Seth, for being one step ahead. Um, I've got a whole number of uh, different articles um, and different things like that you can click through to learn more about their various uh, coverage for sci-fi and fantasy. Um, so they've got like, uh, you know, some some the best sci-fi of the last three years, the best fantasy of the past three years, uh, speculative fiction crossovers that quote bust genre boundaries. Uh, I was going through the 72 uh, best popular, uh, sorry, 72 most popular fantasy books of the past three years. And there's some great picks in here. And we've read a number of them um, naturally because we're awesome. Um, But this is a really cool place to get like some new ideas. Um, And, you know, what I love about Goodreads is that you can just click and add it to your to be read list, (laughs) which is great. Yeah. Like boop. if you use Goodreads already, then that's, mm-hmm. that's really, really handy. Yeah. Uh, new, new, new novels and, and some familiar titles in there as well. Like you said, things that, that we've picked, uh, Clark and the sun that we just mentioned, uh, Arthur C. Clark, uh, winner on, on here as well, but, but lots of, lots of stuff that's probably going to be new to you as well. Like, um, I don't know, shadow of the gods, John Gwynn, she who became the sun, Shelley Parker Chan, lots of good stuff. Yeah, and actually, interestingly, the rising stars of sci-fi and fantasy uh, post is even cooler, I think. Like, Gideon the Ninth is the first one that they list here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, there's a number of, like, uh, duplicates from some of the other lists. Um, but if you're looking for, like, new authors or up-and-comers, this is a great place to start. Tomahome uh, notes that the adaptation of Brian K. Vaughn's author, uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Paper Girls, by uh, Brian K. Vaughn, of course, author of Saga and Why the Last Man. Yes. Uh, Paper Girls is a comic that comes out July 19th. It looks timey-wimey. Vaughn's quippy dialogue should fit in with current TV and movies. Why the Last Man was adapted on Hulu for a, a season before they stopped making it. And it was a really good season. And I'm sad they stopped making it. But hmm. I'm very excited for more Brian K. Vaughn because Brian K. Vaughn writes good stuff. Are there any plans to do any kind of adaptations of of Saga, I wonder? Yes. Uh, I remember seeing that. And I don't remember who, where in the stage of like option development production yeah. uh, it was or what platform was attached. I'll do a quick search here and see if I can dig it up. But yeah, I know, I know it's out there. Um, that would be pretty great. Um, from the, from the mouths of Martins, uh, comes this post, uh, hi, I'm George R. R. Martin. You may remember me from writing a song of ice and fire. Uh, (laughs) some things that happened in the TV series will happen, but not in the same way. So this is a post about a, (laughs) this is, this is is This is your notes to yourself. Okay. I should have read read this. this. Okay. Because otherwise it makes no sense. No, I, this wasn't read, written to be read like most of our stuff is because I it wasn't posted on Goodreads. Uh, George R. R. Martin posted on his blog uh, some details about uh, writing in general, but also dropped a few things about Winds of Winter. Uh, so he said, some things that happen in the TV series will happen, but not in the same way. Some things won't happen. Uh, some people who are dead will still be alive and vice versa. 
And the Winds of Winter will not feature any new POV characters, mm. which indicates that he's done introducing characters to us. Oh, that's that good. He, that <laughs> we're just going to start killing him off now. Uh, on the Game of Owns podcast, Martin notes that he has almost completed multiple character arcs for the book, including Tyrion, and the book will be considerably longer than A Storm of Swords or A Dance with Dragons, more like 300 pages longer to the point that the book being split in two is possible. <sighs> Which, if you recall, that's what happened with A Storm of Swords and A Dance with Dragons. It was a book split into two. Uh, this book is also going to be a book split into two is what it sounds Most like. Most likely. Yeah. Most likely. Okay. No dates. No no end dates or anything like that. But there's, yeah, we got it. It's long, been a long time since Martin updated us on, on Winds of Winter. So, so what do you I'm think? I'm glad he feels comfortable talking about it again. So I'm just curious from the audience perspective. Uh, my husband asked me this recently. So, you know, now that we have many of us still kind of have like feel a little like burnt by the TV show a little bit, mm. um, you know, take certainly take, a lot of people have convinced themselves that they are burnt by. That. Yes, it's sure. A, we can put it that way. It's that's a how ma- you put it. mass hallucination that it was yep. somehow a Mandela effect that somehow. Yeah. yeah. OK. He was wondering, like, now that you know what happens, do you, are you still going to read the book? And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely I'm absolutely still going to read the book because for these reasons, like it's, it's a different story. It always has been slightly different. Um, and I'm very curious to see like <laughs> George R. R. Martin, who did, you know, for all intents and purposes, still condone, uh, the way that the series ended in many ways. Like, I, I think he had, he had say in that. So like, is he going to make changes? Are there going to be, is he making changes now based on the feedback from the world. Is he that kind of author? Like, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be anything materially different? I'm sure it won't come out for years until after the books are out, like what he changed or what he didn't, or what was consistent with how he was planning to always write the book. We know he's been working on it for a very, very long time. Um, but you know, there's always room for rewrites, especially with specific character arcs. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to bring up old feelings and hash out old, like, you know, conversations that we've had about feelings about the show and whatnot. But I'm just curious if you think there's going to be any material changes based on re- the reaction. I f- no, I, I get the strong feeling that George R. R. Martin knows what this story is going to do. And George R. R. Martin may change things as he writes it because George R. R. Martin thinks that they should change. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, having worked on the TV show will affect that. So I think there's a there's a kind of a room for fudge there to be like, well, if he'd never made the TV show, he might not have done this or that because he had experience from the TV show. But I do not get any sense that George R. R. Martin hears feedback and says, oh, well, I'm not going to do that now. Uh, hell no. Quite the opposite. George R. R. Martin is like, well, I'm doing it this way. My, my guess is that George R. R. Martin said, well, I wouldn't do that if I were you, Benioff and Weiss, but. It's your TV show, so I'm not going to tell you not to. These are the only things that, you know, I would I would draw a red line at, right? I, there's probably a few things that are like, this has to happen and this has to happen for me to continue to put my name on it. But everything else you do, you know, you guys know TV, make your choices. They may be different choices than I would make. I I don't think he listens to feedback and, and mm-hmm. says, oh, gosh, people were mad when that happened and I was going to do it, but I won't now. I, I, I don't get that sense. Uh, in in any way. And in, in fact, I think he's he's had a clear idea of where this is going for a long time. And if anybody 
gets in his way. It's him wanting mm-hmm. to be a perfectionist and wanting to tell the story that he wants to tell. I think the only person he really wants to please is himself, which is why it's taken him so long to write this. Right. All right. Fair. Good answer. Thank you. I And, and to your other question uh, of, of will you still read the book? Having been disappointed by the TV show, I was half joking, you know, about mass hypnosis and and we convinced ourselves it was bad. I don't think the TV show was bad. And I think it was a lot of groupthink that that made people go to a hundred on something that was just kind of disappointing. But I mm-hmm. was I was like, yeah, this isn't as good. And it's not as good from the point that they don't have book material to work on, mm-hmm. which makes mm-hmm. me want to read the books more. Got it. Yeah. I kind of said the same thing too. Like that yeah. was the the divergence really happened uh when when Dan and David took over uh directionally. But the storyline. All right. Well, moving on. Uh Ben Aronovich's Rivers of London is set for adaptation by Seesaw and Pure Fiction Television. This is according to uh Variety. Um, they say the adaptation will be a co-production between the two uh production houses. Um, and also Aronovich's production company, Unnecessary Logo, uh, which he recently established. Um, and this is going to be the first deal uh, following the inauguration of Pure Fiction Television, which was founded by former Heyday Television president Tom Winchester last fall. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is television uh, inside baseball-y because it's variety. Yeah. Um, but Aronovich, uh, who started his career as a writer on Doctor Who, um, has expanded the Rivers of London universe into novellas, short stories, comics, games, and graphic novels. The books have sold 5 million copies globally, and he will write the adaptation as well as executive produce. Oh, I hope it works this time. You know how that's, this stuff goes, and it's happened mm-hmm. to Rivers of London before. <laughs> Demahome says Rivers of London is the Jan Brady of Sword and Laser Picks. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. I loved that book and I know I love that book. I have external evidence that I love that book because when I think about it, I can remember where I was when I was where, When listening. did you read it, read it? Rivers of London? We read it for yeah. Sword and Laser. No. Yeah. No, it's never been picked. That's why it's the Jan Brady. Uh, is it? We read it. No, it's ne- we did not read it. Ben Aronovich's Rivers of London? We did not read it. Did I just read it on my own? I think you read it on your own. Because it keeps <laughs> it keeps coming up for March Madness and we've never it, read it. But then why did I read it? <laughs> I don't know. Why did you read it? <laughs> Let's talk about your Mandala effects. I, I could have sworn we, we read it. But it, it's the one where there's alternate Londons, right? No. Oh. That's the city in the thinking- city. No, not that. Not well, there's city in the city. Not China Mayville's alternate London. No, or V. Schwab. Too- yeah, V. Schwab. The um, Elizabeth is saying V. Schwab. There was a that was another different London's. Uh, what was the name of those books? I thought V. E. Schwab was the with the the Sheke, and all no, that. No, no. What was the what was the Sheke and the oh that that magical London? That was. Uh... <laughs> Oh, you make me go to the Wikia now. We've read a lot of books like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> okay. I mean, I trust me. I'm not arguing with okay. you all. A darker shade of magic is the V. E. Darker shade of Thank you, magic. That's, okay, but what's the one with the Sheke? That's um, the um. Mm. 
not China Mieva. That's not the Cheke. It's the and one they, that the TV show was made stars. out of. They turned it into a stars. They turned it into a stars. Yeah, I watched series. the. Sh- I watched the. I watched the show. <laughs> I watched that show. The Rook. The Rook Daniel, by Daniel, Daniel O'Malley. O'Malley. Daniel O'Malley. All right. Yeah. All right. Yes. Ben Aronovich. As soon as you said March Madness, it clicked. I'm like, oh right, it's the one that always doesn't make it through March Madness. I mean, we okay. could read it. It's fantasy, I'm glad, right? I'm glad we cleared that up. You do Is need a fantasy, fantasy pick. <laughs> It's fantasy, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's read it. Done. Is that next month's fantasy Have you fantasy read pick? it? No. Have you read it or no, not? No, I was thinking of V.E. Schwab. <laughs> I was thinking of V.E. Schwab. I, th- I was thinking this was the V.E. Schwab uh, Darker Shade of Magic. All right, we've got an early, early pick. Doing it live. All right, well, there you go. Now you, shh, don't tell anyone. That's the pick. Multiverse okay, oh, crap, yeah. crap. <laughs> Sorry, right. Patreon. Speaking of Jan... Jan says, we have already talked about this year's Hugo Awards, but I wanted to point out that the short story category this year sounds quite unique with one short story, Unknown Number, by Blue Neustifter, having been been published on Twitter as screenshots of a text conversation or Where Oaken Hearts Do Gather by Sarah Pinsker, which is framed as a discussion on a fictional website where each verse of a fictional ballad is followed by a set of comments by various posters as they analyze and interpret the folklore. If what? you're interested, you can find reviews for those two stories and the other nominees, one of which is a Magic the Gathering tie-in on womenwriteaboutcomics.com. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, the screenshots of a text conversation. I love that. That's good stuff. <sighs> that's super interesting. I love I love new kind of like formats and, and media that crop up. I remember where I was when I read stories. all of these. I've never read them. You talking? Are you? Are, is this multiverse Tom talking? Yes, this is multiverse Tom talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm losing my memory in my old age, Veronica. It's okay. I apologize. It's okay. Who am I? I turn, who, where, where? I turn the big four zero next week. Oh, I remember. Oh. I remember twelve years ago when I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess this is it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's all uphill from there. So wait, Tomahome, is the title Multiverse Tom Reddit or Veronica's getting a convertible? <laughs> you're getting a convertible because you're no. He's like, either. Um, Multiverse, Multiverse Tom Reddit Veronica show title. gets a convertible. All right. That works. All right. Well, thank you for everyone who submitted stories to our Quick Prince thread over on goodreads.com or over on Discord. Uh, if you want to help submit it, uh, so, bleh, 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 here comes 40. If you want to submit stories to <laughs> our Quick how Prince, it starts. those are the ways to do it. <laughs> Let's jump into Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, we got an interesting topic here from Papa MRF called What Books Are You Waiting For? And Papa MRF talks about having finally picked up The Last Shadow by Orson Scott Card, mm. published in 2021, which concludes the series started with Ender's Game in 1985. Uh, and Papa MRF points out that the most recent Ender novel was published in 1996, though there was a prequel novella published in 2008. Uh, So quite a long time to wait for the series to end. Uh, So Papa MRF asks, what works are you waiting for? Bonus points if your wait has been a decade or more, minus a thousand points for mentioning any authors with the initials G-R-R-M. Or E-R. Yes. Yeah. Or... Uh, 
Yeah, gentlemen, anything related to Gentleman Bastards, uh, the King Killer Chronicles, or uh, yep. Song of Ice yep. and Fire will not be heard at this time. <laughs> and, uh, and no one mentioned those uh, in, the, in the responses. We got they knew uh, better. Adrian Tchaikovsky publishing a third book in the Children of series. Uh, Paul mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Number of mentions for uh, oh. Mary Robinette Kowal or I will say uh, oh, yeah. e- mm-hmm. Ian mentioned G R R S and King Killer Chronicles both Ian Ian <laughs> way to go Ian just kidding uh, yeah Master Alvin Alvin the Maker uh, by Orson Scott Card also uh, next there installment so- of the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher no there was just one that came out last year though too but I guess yeah that's- but you're always waiting for the next one. <laughs> Always. Yeah. There's there's so many authors I haven't read yet that I've, I feel like I've been talking about for 15 years. Oh, Becky I, Chambers like, is another one where it's not a long wait, but mm-hmm. every time you finish, it's a lot becomes a long wait for the next one. Yeah. Uh, Joanna re, re, uh, mentions a prayer for the crown shy. Silvana has a number of mentions, um, of sequels, uh, the Martian contingency, um, the dawn of young Chen, um, oh, so a, this is a good reading. Books. This yeah. is a good like watch list out of this <laughs> stuff here. And John says, Nona the ninth. And yes, I'm stoked that Veronica has an arc. How awesome is that? <laughs> it's pretty good. Now we just got to get to the next one. Getting ahead of myself there. All right. We also have a, an interesting thread about audiobooks and writers and maybe not what you think. This is more around the concept of like, are writers writing more for their audiobook audiences these days? Uh, Carl says, I've never really listened to audiobooks, but the one time I tried it, it was horribly, it was a horribly narrated old Heinlein book. Friends suggested trying out audiobooks from current authors because regardless of narrators, today's writers are more likely to have adapted their writing style to the spoken word, knowing that much of their work is now sold as audio. Honestly, this never occurred to me. Is this a phenomenon others have noticed? If so, what current writers do you find particularly good to listen to? Um, I don't know how many writers actively write differently for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it is something that I've heard authors talk about being aware of. Uh, what I have heard authors say is that they will uh, do adaptations, not even adaptations, but sort of like they'll do notes uh, mm-hmm. to say like, oh, you know, you you could skip this part or drop drop all the he said, she said stuff from this section because it'll get monotonous, things like that. Yeah, uh, I, I know that that little tweaks happen to make the audiobook uh, work better. I haven't heard too many authors say that they actively write differently because of it. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I just I just haven't heard much about that. Um, what I have noticed a lot of, and and John Nevitz pointed out some of these, is authors doing special, either either writing something specifically for an audiobook, not mm-hmm. not not writing something for print and then having in mind an audiobook, but saying, I am writing an audiobook, uh, or absolutely adapting a, a book into a play, basically, and doing an, uh, an audio version of that. Well, that was like the the Bobverse books. Those were those were initially audiobook yeah. Right? Those were, were created for audiobook. They're, they're a good example of where he was writing for it to be an audiobook first. Although I guess you're right, he did have print in mind mm-hmm. when it when he was writing them, but he knew he wanted them to be good audiobooks. So that is a good example of what what he's talking about. 
And it's funny that John, John Nevitz and, and Ian both mentioned Ray Porter, because I'm actually listening to Project Hail Mary right now by Andy Weir. And it's uh it's funny because like Ryan, my husband, has has read the book, read the Kindle version, and he was like, I'm gonna listen to the audiobook now because there's there's a character in the book that I really want to know how they kind of translate to audio and or like how they make that character sound um, with their voice. And I was like, yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. And I got to that section and I was like, yeah, I totally get it. Like why this is like a really interesting, they did it in a really interesting way, um, for the audiobook particularly. Um, and so that kind of stuff I think is a little bit fun. Like sometimes there's extra elements thrown into an audiobook that an author is probably aware of, as you said, when they're, when they're writing their novels, um, or, you know, just having really excellent producers and having really excellent talent, like can make a huge difference and make it feel as though the novel was written for, for an audiobook when in fact it was, you know, always just been text. Yeah, so. John Nevitz makes a, a good explanation in this thread about the sort of things that can lead to just better production, right? Whereas in in the olden days of books on tape, uh, they just sat somebody down in a studio and said, "Read the book." Uh, yeah. These days, you, they they try to get voice actors, like actual voice actors, not just somebody with a nice voice. Uh, they try to pair voices with works. Uh, they try to direct and and work with the authors to convey what the author wanted to convey that that happens a lot more than it used to. So, um, you know, I've, I've had a couple of, of my books turned into audiobooks, and, and working with the narrator on it was, was very helpful to sort of get them, get their head around, you know, okay, what, what is happening with this character? Who's this character? How do you pronounce these words properly? All that sort of stuff. So yeah, there, there's just a lot more effort going in to make the productions better. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, and just as a close out on that, uh, Ian also mentions that he start that he listens now on on uh, 1.5 X on audiobooks, and I have to admit that I've now graduated to 1.5 X as well. Yeah, I still you like to like, listen to au- podcasts on regular speed, but audiobooks oh, I can do faster. Podcasts I do the fastest. I do 2.2 X for podcasts. What? <laughs> because so many podcasts are disposable, right? They're they're of the moment. Uh, they're, they're especially the ones I listen to are very newsy. Um, but but audiobooks, I will go one x uh, until the mo- the first of the month upon which the pick is in. Yeah, uh, and then as soon as we enter the month, the pick is in. Then I go. Then I go to two x. Side note: Project Hail Mary is incredible. Yeah. I got three quarters of the way to Project Hail Mary before I added, where I went to 2X. Mm, okay. So you read yeah. it already? Yes, I did finish. I could not stop. It's really good. I'm, it's, yep. I'm definitely finding reasons to listen hold, to hold it. Hold that thought. We will have the book wrap up or the book check in and non spoilery uh, momentarily. We have one more uh, quick burn or uh, oh, yeah. bear your sword. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, has a novel ever changed your stance on an issue? Christos says, usually we read books that align with our beliefs. I I don't. Uh, I don't I, I don't dispute that Christos is probably right for most of you, that people choose books that align with their beliefs. Uh, I, I try to read books that don't align with my beliefs quite often because I think that's important. Anyway, Christos says, are there any books that changed your mind on an issue? I used to think robots should not be in charge of the governments, but <laughs> then I read Scythe and the more and more I think about it, I think robots 
would do a much better job running the world government than humans. I think the main reason we see so many stories of robots turning evil when they gain control is because of human hubris, that humans are less corruptible than machines. I think the exact opposite is true. Uh, and I, I love the responses to this, and I think it's a great question. Uh, John Taloni said, the probability brooch introduced me to libertarianism and made me much more open to it. Not sure that would have happened a- any way other. Um, Alan says, not recently, but some helped form my opinions when I was younger. Uh, I would offer large chunk- chunks of Heinlein as an example. And Paul said, I've read many books that helped me form opinions or ask new questions, but I think the only book that changed my mind about something was Isaac Asimov's The Gods Themselves, which changed my mind about David Hume's philosophy on God. Uh, cool. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. So, Am I just not reading like hard enough? So, so you you don't think anything's ever really changed an opinion on something? I don't and, think and so. I like I like what um, Alan said. Helping form opinions, I think, is much more common for for me too. Uh, changing your mind on something is harder for a book to do. I think books work more in the background where yeah. they can help you think about something in a new way or understand something in a way that you're like, oh, I never really thought of it working that way before. And then maybe your opinion changes down the line. It's like a cascade effect. Uh, I think it's rare that a that a work of fiction, not, we're not talking about nonfiction here, but I, I think mm-hmm. it's rare that a work of fiction absolutely changes your mind the minute you finish reading it. But, but- And I'm not, I'm not like you. I do not I am not good about seeking out other uh, like opposing viewpoints. And but you we but in fiction we, in fi- we read in- stuff that that you're like yeah perhaps I, yeah you know I, okay. I I I I think it's much more common in fiction than nonfiction. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I read very little nonfiction. So yeah, same here anymore. I mean, I read a lot of nonfiction, but it's all blog posts <laughs> and news articles. <laughs> <laughs> but bookwise, uh, I pretty much read fiction, and yeah, I I try to challenge myself to to read things that you know maybe I think are are outside my comfort zone, and, and not all the time. Sometimes I just want a romancing space adventure, like I did this month. <laughs> yeah, you, <know>? you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, but I, it is one of the things I love about Sword and Laser is that we are always trying to do this to each other, right? Where, where you are, that was the whole premise of the show was, I don't read as much fantasy. Expose me to fantasy that I wouldn't pick otherwise and, and vice versa. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of uh, books, speaking of your sexy, I was going to say fantasy, but it's not a fantasy book. So I ruined my own segue. Dang it. <laughs> Take two. Uh, we're we are going to hop into our book of the month discussion uh, with Hunt the Stars by Jesse Mihalik. Um, and... So this is a check-in. This is not a wrap-up. Yeah, Tom we're noted. not going to be spoilery. No spoilery. Um, yeah, so I had I had two threads here that I was going to talk about. I took out one because I feel like that other thread is much better for the wrap-up episode, so I want to save yeah. it now. You need to be spoily um, to talk about it that was, one. It was just really funny, and I feel like it's it's better, better suited for the wrap-up episode as well. Um but yeah, so what are your, what are your, have you, uh, have you, did, was I right? You, I think you did me a service, which is you weren't as right as I thought you were going to be. Oh, okay. So when you said this is much steamier than you expected, I started thinking like full on, uh, you know, put on your terry cloth. 
that robe and, and pour the pour the water over the hot stones because it's getting it's getting to be a sauna in here. And it wasn't quite that steamy. So I disagree with what I said. See, I don't think I, I and maybe maybe I didn't I, present yeah, I'm, myself I'm, I'm well. I'm not trying to quote you mm-hmm. so much as say you gave me the impression of like, oh, this is going to be. This is going to be because you're like, this reminds me of a vaginal fantasy pick. And I was like, oh, okay." So I was expecting it to be like there's different levels. It's irrational. But I was like the craziest, sexiest VF pick they ever had. It is, of course, not. That's not what it was. So in a way, I was like, oh, okay, so it's sexy. It's sexier than the books we usually read on this show. But all right. Yeah, it wasn't like over the top or anything. It wasn't like the like a taming a T-Rex or anything like that. It was. Yeah, exactly. um, But it was uh, I finished it. So I I feel confident in saying um, that I I, I think I hit the nail on the head, so to speak, um, with my the way I anticipated the story going. <laughs> you didn't um, respond to my, uh, my, my text about when I got to the first, uh, what did it, what did you say? I'm trying, I'm trying to go back. Uh, <laughs> you said, uh, just reached the first makeout and it's a doozy. What are you talking about? Of course I responded. I posted it all on social media. Uh, no, we posted that part. Oh, and then July 5th, I wrote a parking garage. Oh. And you didn't respond to that one. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot say more. <laughs> yeah, we shall not say more. Um, but yeah, so it's got a little romancy, but it's fun. And I like some of the um some of the well, so in this thread by Gordon, um, they say anyone get of a bit of a vibe from this book. I'm not a slight on it, but it's a feeling that I get. Uh, his title was Crazy Rich Aliens, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, of course, a play on Crazy Rich Asians, the uh, the hit novel and, and film. Um, I didn't get that vibe, but I did agree with uh, with Chris Kay, who says, I understand the Crazy Rich Aliens vibe, especially in the beginning. But by the end, I definitely got Firefly vibes. Um, a thoroughly enjoyable read, he said. Um, and Fresno Bob said the same thing about a Firefly vibe. Yeah, so, totally. Yes, yeah, similar. I, I definitely got that with the crew, the mm-hmm. the, the crew relationships, and definitely a um, or a Becky Chambers vibe. You might even say also a Becky Chambers vibe. Yeah, but it's it it is both. Uh, it is it is both a like an almost Regency romance, except. Regency. Well, that was our joke. Know, yeah. Regency fades to black <laughs> before some of the stuff here. But but that but that romance is is very I don't want to say traditional, but it's like it, you know, it it follows the rule book of like, no, I don't like you. Oh, maybe I like you. Oh, I really right. like you. Kind of, you know, that that arc, right? Totally. And the um yeah. I mean, that's why we made the whole Mr. Darcy in space joke last time around. But I bet, um, but now I realize like, oh no, you were absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the Firefly thing, because like their 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 engineer is it feels so much like Kaylee. Um, mm. like the Jules uh state character from from Firefly. So that kept popping into my mind. So I kept getting like hitting myself over the head with I, I, this the is Firefly this, reference. This is not spoilery, but it does risk being end talk. But I thought the engineer was going to have a larger role, and mm. uh, maybe that, in that, future books. Yeah, maybe. And 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 
and I get that and that's fine. Uh, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that more when we do the wrap up, but I, I sort of, by the end of the book was like, wait, we, we went through all this trouble to meet her. Yeah. And didn't and feel like they did as much were, with her as I thought they would. That's all. Yeah. There were a number of like, well, cause she, she has that like burgeoning relationship also. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, no, there's, there's the engineer and then there's the, um, the oh, hacker. you meant Anya. Yeah. Not, yeah. I'm talking about okay. Anya. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. No key. Is that her name? Key? I think her name's key. Yeah. I, she was fine. I, her story arc was, mm-hmm. was great. I was fine. Okay. With that. Got it. Yeah. So it's, it's been fun. It was, it was a fun read. It's a fun read and we're not wrapping this up. Um, but, it, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about what people, what more, more people think about it. Cause we haven't really read anything that was, that's more in the urban, not fantasy. So this is one thing that I noticed about this book. I feel like it didn't need to take place in space at all. This, this is, this is where the book briefing comes in handy to know that Jesse Mihalik wanted to write urban fantasy and the agent was like, yeah, we did talk about that, but we could sell sci-fi. And so Jesse Mihalik was like, well, I got a sci-fi idea and they sold that. So it shouldn't be surprising that it's kind of an urban fantasy in space. <laughs> it feels like an urban fantasy in space. It feels yeah. like you could rip the ship out and make it. I mean, because most of the dialogue and everything happens in the kitchen anyway. Uh-huh. Like you could, it could be a college dorm. It could be a but, restaurant. But it could be an apartment complex. But it's in space. In space. So I know it didn't have to be, but isn't it cooler that it is in space? It almost felt like the space was distracting, honestly. Oh, no, no, I, I, I disagree. No, the space made it better. The space was like, oh, yeah. And and all of this is happening on a ship and there are aliens and there's a war. And yeah, if that was the point of the novel, it's really a shallow space story. But it's not the point of the novel. So it's more like, well, it's isn't this fun that we put it on a spaceship, too? Like, that's just to me, that's that's the uh, the the coconut in your coffee. Unless you don't like coconut or allergic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's I'm not a good trying, analogy because I'm not trying you don't to want coconut it, yeah. in your coffee. Maybe. Maybe I don't want space in my in my paranormal romance. Oh, but. My yeah, urban I, fantasy. I can't imagine there wouldn't be a space romance that you would love. There are. There have yeah, been. Yeah, exactly. I so, just felt like I wanted more space. Maybe she did too good of a job with the bones of the space story to where you're like, Oh, but you did such a good job creating this ship and its crew. Why didn't you do more? I don't more even know that? why they were at war really. Well, the aliens. Yeah. Uh, why is anybody at war? What, what is it good for? Veronica? I just want a more sense of like, you know, I think the problem is, is that I just finished reading like a bunch of Peter F. Hamilton. And so now <laughs> like go. my That'll brain is just yeah. in like in space. Like, your, just your bra- in- if you come into, if you come into Jesse Mahal, like expecting Peter F. Hamilton, uh, you're going to be disappointed, but that's not because Jesse Mahalik isn't doing a great job writing. It's because Jesse Mahalik is not trying at all to do what Peter F. Hamilton does. I know. Does. And I'm just, I guess I'm in that mind, mind yeah, space. Yeah. No, and that's fair. I could totally in see space. <laughs> Mind space in space. Whereas I came into it like, I just want a fun space adventure. And I got a space adventure with a big heap and dollop big of romance. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's inner species. It's kind of hot. I mean, I'm put that out there. Yeah. But they're basically humanoid. 
They are. I mean, they're humanoid. And, and they're, they're totally and she humanoid. Even says like it's possible we even came from the same seed stock back in the day. Of course they did. Of course they did. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't look exactly the same, except with just slightly different eyes and like telepathic yeah, abilities. And telepathic abilities. Yeah. Yeah. But still, this this is fun. This is a fun read. Can they make you babies? Loved it. Trust me. Or trust me. Admit it. I, I, did, I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I did like it. Uh, All right. I feel like I'm I'm slowly tapering off into <laughs> non-conversation. Just thinking well, about getting things. back to the crazy rich aliens thing. I totally see the parallels. It's mm-hmm. not uh, I'm from this culture, but I'm not like crazy rich aliens is. Uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, but but it definitely has that. Oh, you all are rich, right? Because like, oh, geez, you rich, rich. You all, you rich, rich, and I, right. I don't understand that. Um, Definitely vibes, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. I see that. All right, everybody, well, that about wraps up our episode. Um, so I, yeah, I guess we got a book pick. Uh, Tom will post about it in Patreon, or, or Rob, or whoever. Tom will post about it on Patreon later next what are week. We and then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to repeat be, myself. Be yeah, V. Schwab and Daniel O'Malley. Sorry, Victoria. They're doing a combo combo book pick. Um, our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Uh, thank you so much to the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. Tag us in your book pick reading photos or whatever else you're doing. Something fun related to the show and we'll reshare it. And you can join in on all the discussions at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!